Welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm your host, Kamisha Lucier, and welcome back to another day in the Word of God. We're glad you're here, glad to be spending this time in the Word of God with you, and glad that you have allowed us to be a part of your life and your walk with Jesus Christ. My beloved is here today, and we're excited to get into the Word. Before we go into this lesson and this episode, let's open up in prayer. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Father, we love you. We bless your name and we thank you and we recognize you as God most high. El Shaddai, the one who there is nothing too hard for you to handle, Lord, or for you to accomplish. We thank you, Lord, that the greater one lives on the inside of us. The greater one, Jesus Christ, lives in us each and every day and the fullness of your presence dwells in us as well, Lord, so that there's nothing too hard for us to handle because you are with us and you are in us and we are walking in the grace that you and your blood, Lord Jesus Christ, supply. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to minister how you see fit and that You do all things to your glory and your honor. We bless you. We welcome you. We thank you for the listeners. We thank you for the believers, Lord Jesus Christ, who you have strategically placed around the world, that we are fulfilling our call and our purpose in you, Lord. And we're each doing the things that you have designed and created and apportioned for us to do in this time and this season. We honor you, Lord, and we bless you. We ask you to take care of our brothers and sisters and keep them safe and all from all hurt, harm, or danger. In Jesus' almighty name, we pray. We receive that. We thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. And amen. All right. So we're still talking about the target of warfare. But today's episode, we're going to fine-tune our focus to look at Um, the kind of the opposite side of that. And that would be what, who our target is, but what prompts that target to have access or to set his little bullseye towards us and how to consider that and keep those things from taking place. So we're going to talk about the difference between a lack of wisdom being the cause of an open door for the adversary and um, the difference between that and just a blatant attack from the enemy. So there are three main points or main aspects that we're going to look at. One is being a lack of wisdom that opens the door for the adversary. Two, disobedience that opens the door for the adversary. And three, just a blanket, you know, adversarial attack because the devil's bad. And that's what he does. (laughs) Um, Let's look at our springboard scripture, sweetheart. We're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. All right. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Amen. Thank you, my love. Okay, so... For my, the, my translation that I'm using, the New King James Version, it says, be sober or self-controlled mm-hmm. and be vigilant or watchful. Be self-controlled and watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So that the verbiage that's there is intentional, whom he may devour. So who is giving him an opportunity? We've been talking about people are not our problem. It's the spirit of wickedness that's behind wrong actions or um, 
persecution from people that's really the problem. So when we enter and engage in spiritual warfare, we should be directly targeted at him. But also when the adversary does try to attack, if we misinterpret it, first of all, it's going to set us off course and we won't be fully effective in our warfare, especially if we try to attack the people and get them off the planet versus (laughs) putting the adversary in his place and his rightful place is under your feet. Well, there's there's another aspect. It's more than a natural example, right? Mm -hmm. But if uh, you have no idea who the enemy is, you make yourself an easy target. Amen to that. If you're not aware of the situation, the enemy, what's going on Mm -hmm. in your environment, then you make yourself an easy target. So how many of us prior to to this this course just walked around unaware mm-hmm. and as a result gave the enemy opportunity? Mm-hmm. Something to consider. Amen. And now that you know, let's, let's do something differently. Let's learn Amen. from this and grow, develop into God's warriors. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for saying that, sweetheart. So... There is a person who is naive that is an easy target, right? Like when someone goes to a foreign country, there were tourists there. <laughs> the the common criminals that like to hang around and pickpocket and things, they can spot them. A mile away. A yes. mile away, and they've already got a plan devised to deal with those people because they're ignorant and negligent about where they keep their wallets and they're busy taking pictures and seeing sights, not protecting their person mm-hmm. from their, I mean, their physical body from being pilfered by thieves. They're not protecting their pockets, their finances, their wallets, their watches, things of that nature. Passports, yes. Exactly. Or they get into a taxi cab that's Mm going to drive them around, run up the fare, or maybe take them off to be kidnapped because they're... Completely unaware. Unaware. That's right. And the naivety of what they're doing is present. Now, um, when we are facing situations in life... First of, I, I, first of all, identifying it is the adversary who is against you is absolutely vital. But second, identifying where the adversary's access point is will also help you, um, it'll help you determine which set of tools are the right to use in that situation. And again, this is not something we do apart from God. We're always listening to the Holy Spirit. But again, when we have knowledge and understanding in a situation, it's easier for the for the Lord to talk to with us. It's easier for Holy Spirit to guide us and give us more specific detail and fine tune our efforts because we have a point of reference. And a lot of things is a matter of, especially for believers, just keeping the door shut to the adversary. So those three points that we're going to look at again are lack of wisdom, two, disobedience. And I mean, just flat out, you know what the Lord said, but you decided you're not going to do it. That's a different category than lack of wisdom. And three is just a blatant attack from the adversary because he's bad. And that's what he does. Now, he will not take a day off on a technicality because you don't know something doesn't mean that he's going to go, oh, she doesn't know that. So I'm going to not attack her in that way because she doesn't know that she's leaving the door open or he's leaving the door open. They don't open. realize that they need to be on the alert, right? That, would, that in and of itself is a lack of wisdom. Amen. And our springboard scripture <laughs> said just that. Be self-controlled and watchful. Be sober and be vigilant. That means watching. Mm-hmm. And not don't and I'm not saying become one of those people who are obsessed with what the devil is doing. I'm not saying that. Keep your eyes on the Lord, but also be aware that there are pickpockets, right? And we've talked about the principalities, the powers, the wicked spirits um in heaven and or have yeah, heavenly places. And 
those are, you could think of those going from someone who's just a pickpocket or a con man to up to someone who's the crime boss and he wants to have people assassinated. Just the varying levels of what they do. They're all wicked spirits, but they operate on different echelons or different levels of activities. So we're not to be um, obsessed and overly occupied with demonic activity, but we have to be aware of how the adversary operates and will try to attack us so that we can mount an effective, not just a defense, but an offense. Because using wisdom is a primary offense and it is a defense. And, And with all things, first and foremost, hold it before the Lord. What does he say about it? Let him lead you and guide you as to what to say and do. That will be both for your defense, keeping you on the alert, and mm-hmm. for the offense, making you aware of what's going on in the environment and how to combat it. Amen. And as the Lord teaches us, he does expect us to operate in what he's already taught us. Amen. We don't need to learn. Don't walk in the middle of the street every day, right? <laughs> Once he teaches not. us that lesson, we learn it, and then we let him continue to guide us from there and to teach us teach us greater lessons. So that's why we're taking the time to go over this information. So we're going to look at examples in the Word of God of these three um uh, points that we talked about, lack of wisdom, disobedience, and adversary just attacking because he's bad. So the first one, someone operating in a lack of wisdom, we're going to look at Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 21 there. Okay. It says, well, actually, let's start at verse 12. I know you were going to say that, honey. We're (laughs) we're, we're half coming. We need a little bit of background here. Okay. At that time, Barodak Baladan, a son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters to and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah listened to them and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They've come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your sons who, excuse me, some of your sons who issue from you who you will beget will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he thought it is not uh, is it not so, if there will be peace and truth in my days? Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son became king in his place. Okay, so <laughs> you can tell by Isaiah's response to what Hezekiah did. He was like, what are you doing? 
It's like taking robbers around to see all the new goods you just got, you know, that you got on Black Friday, (laughs) showing them your 72 inch TV and, you know, your your jewelry and telling them where your lockbox is. That wasn't in the code or combination. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Just because they were friendly to you. And um, that was a lack of wisdom on Hezekiah's part to show all of those things. And it led to an opportunity for the adversary later on. Now, the fullness of that opportunity wasn't realized until the people fell into sin and departed from God. Mm -hmm. But the Lord was restraining them until... The people had heaped up so much sin and disobedience and rebellious toward the Lord that he's like, okay, I already told you, this is what sin brings about. But for us, Hezekiah showing all of the goods of his house was not the wise thing to do in that situation because they left rubbing their hands together like, ooh, man. Plotting and devising a way with which to acquire all of those things. Exactly. And clearly that was handed down to generations of kings. Don't forget what they've got over in Israel, that's right. a stop on our conquering block because they've got gold and silver. So uh, they were launching a a um, or preparing for a worldwide domination mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> plot there in Babylon. And Hezekiah didn't realize he was falling prey to those plots by so, well, another a, country. A lack of wisdom mm-hmm. to open the door and give the enemy space. Absolutely. Right? A foothold in your house. Why would you open the door to the adversary or a potential adversary should have checked with the Lord and exactly. been instructed, received instructions as to what to say and do. Exactly. And Second Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So in this episode, this lesson, we're building that knowledge <laughs> and that understanding so that we're not ignorant. And the scripture does tell us that people fail or perish because of a lack of knowledge. So we are not going to be without that knowledge, because God has readily made it available to us. So first step in spiritual warfare is close all the doors that Amen. that are open to the adversary in your life. And we've been building on that um, in the labs about your lifetime and expanding your life and things of that nature. But we need to close all the doors and being aware not to open new doors to the adversary <laughs> is vital to us because sometimes we feel like you know, when someone is being beat up by the adversary, it's because the devil's just attacking them. Well, if you have a big flashing sign on your head that says you're available and, you know, it's flashing in the spiritual realm that you're available to be picked off by the devil because you were going to operate in a lack of wisdom, of course, he's going to take you up on that offer. Why wouldn't he? Because he is here for what one purpose or three purposes all roll into one to steal, kill, and destroy. (laughs) So the, the first object in the easy parts of of spiritual warfare, shut the doors to the adversary and keep them closed. Don't open new ones. Don't open a window. Don't put a crack in your wall. Keep it all nice and (laughs) and locked up tight, right? And not being afraid to go out and do warfare, but you don't need to make it easy for the adversary to um, have victory over you because Jesus already made it so easy for us to have victory over him. All (laughs) we have to do is walk in it and use the wisdom he's so readily applied. All right. Um, You can also find um, that account about Hezekiah and Isaiah 39, and you can take some time and go research that um, in your personal prayer time. So now we have another example. We're going to talk about Lot, Abraham's nephew. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 13. This is another demonstration of a lack of wisdom. 
So um, will you read Genesis 13, 5 through 13, my love? <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's start in verse 5 this time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it says, Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and, and me, nor my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was all watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So mm -hmm. Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Amen. Okay. So, so many points to bring out about Lot here. <laughs> yes. Um, but first of all, Abraham is the one who had the blessing from the Lord. And Lot was receiving the benefit of it as long as he remained connected. So then it was his responsibility to remain connected to the blessing. I mean, there's so much that you can receive out of that right there. Remain connected to the blessing <laughs> and the source of the blessing in your life. Abraham was not the source. God was. But God was working clearly through Abraham. Mm -hmm. And because of Abraham's faithfulness and willing to believe, um, willingness to believe God, Lot was able to get the outpour of that, the, the overflow of that and the benefit because he didn't come out with much. But now that he's been walking around with Abraham and looking at the stars and, and just being faithful to walk with him, he's grown to have so much. Exactly. And in this situation, first of all, he should have asked God, right? I mean, and second of all, he should have said, uncle, you've been good to me. You've treated me like a son. <laughs> right. And he should have told those herdsmen to, to hush up in the name of Jesus and close their mouths and be grateful and appreciative and love their neighbor as themselves. But he decided to take another route. You know, sometimes we get a little bit big for our britches and we, you know, we forget the order that God has had something come into our life and we start thinking, well, I can go around this. But the, the blessing of Abraham is the blessing of Abraham. It wasn't the blessing of Lot. And it's not to say that Lot wasn't as important to God as Abraham, but God gave a special covenant to Abraham and he was fulfilling that covenant. And okay. we see, you know, as you read through the, the book of Genesis, you'll see how Lot benefited from it multiple times, this blessing that was on Abraham's mm -hmm. life. Um, well, but even how Ab Abram, 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 later Abraham, later Abraham mm -hmm. yes, went and even rescued Lot. Exactly, exactly. And, and then he went and departed again. And, and so Still I'll not learning a, that lesson. Right. Don't <laughs> separate home. yourself from the blessing or the person the Lord is choosing to bless you through. Amen. Now, uh, I'll bring up another example that goes along with the same line. Because someone could easily bring up, well, Abram, later Abraham, mm -hmm. asked Lot or told Lot, hey, you pick whichever side you want to go and I'll go the opposite way. How is that any different between Elijah and Elisha? No, my Lord, Three I will not times leave you. Mm -hmm. he, he, hey, why don't you stay here? 
I'm going to go on ahead. And he said, no, I won't leave. He remained because he wanted to be connected to the Lord and the blessing coming through his servant. Amen. So it was a testing of sorts because his uncle had loved him like a son anyway. And he didn't, he knew that his uncle, well, let's see what he knew, but he did not have to depart. But I'm sure just based on how Abraham has carried himself at this point that you, you haven't stopped the fighting with your servants fighting with mine lot, then you're clearly saying something in that. It communicates a a very loud message. Exactly. If you're not making peace, then that means there's not peace in your heart concerning the situation. So it maybe it is better. And, and Lot had the opportunity. Thank you for bringing up that um, reference to Elijah and Elisha to say, no, no, uncle, uh-uh, I'm going to talk with my servants and this will not happen again. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to deal with it on my end because we love each other and I'm going to make peace. Remember the scripture tells us to be peacemakers. Amen. Right? So he didn't have to depart because if Abraham had brought him all this way, suddenly he's tired of him now. No, it's likely that something else was actually the case that Lot wasn't dealing with the situation because it was his herdsmen fighting with Abraham or Abrams at the time. And God had called Abram to come to the land of Canaan, not Lot. Lot tagged along. Um, so, then when you look at the situation, Abraham, um, Abraham stayed where God told him to stay. He said, walk the land of Canaan. That's where Abraham stayed. Abram stayed, right? But Lot judged by what his eyes saw. Uh-huh. Eyesight, feelings, emotion, um, the natural senses do not equal wisdom. Amen. And, and wisdom is, wisdom is counsel from the Lord plus understanding and learning of his concepts and his ways, and then applying that in your life. That's what wisdom is. So he didn't operate the wisdom to go, wait, Lord, me leaving in strife is not okay. You know, because of strife, that's not okay. I need to Mm -hmm. fix this situation. And what are you saying? But he went by what he saw, what he felt, what he thought was going to be the right answer. And it ended up being to his detriment. When you read over in um, 2 Peter chapter 2, it talks about how his soul was tormented because of where he had chosen to live. And then he stayed there and he didn't get up and depart and go back and repent and say, Abraham, I'm, I'm sorry. Because when we see Lot later on in Genesis, chapter 19. and uh So not only did he get kidnapped once, and then he went back to the Mm -hmm. same spot again, didn't learn and operate in wisdom. (laughs) Remember, wisdom is counsel from the Lord, understanding and learning of his concepts and his ways, and then applying it. So he did not capture that. And he went back to the same place and stayed there being tormented, even though he could have left at any point. He could have humbled himself and said, Abraham, I'm sorry. I need to come back out here and reboot and restart from where I am. And and the impact was not just a lot. Mm -hmm. He had a spouse. That's right. right, We read how he had so much stuff. but then In the beginning, but when he left, he had nothing. But then when we get to Genesis 19 and Sodom is destroyed, Mm -hmm. it doesn't talk about any of his herds or Mm-mm. herds men, or any of these other things being by him. But then mm-hmm. he has his two daughters. Mm-hmm. And his two daughters were married, but they were still virgins. Which I mean, they, they were married to reprobate or people in a reprobate lifestyle. Absolutely. So, so sin affects everyone. That whole lie that people hear and some tell themselves, oh, it's not hurting anyone else. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Did you think that honored or pleased a lot? in his own family, but look at the impact as a result of 
just not staying with the Lord and connected to his servant who he was blessing him through. Amen. And, you know, it doesn't say that people don't make mistakes, but correct it. By Amen. golly, don't don't Get remain there. Don't don't just leave it dwelling like that. So Lot went out with much from Abraham, but by the time God was speaking to Abraham to intercede so that Lot could be um, saved, the he first left, time, right? Um, no, the second time. Okay. Once Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, Lot went out basically empty-handed, the clothes on his back, his two daughters, and his wife, and then she turned to a pillar of salt. So like he was utterly destroyed and ruined, and then his daughters um, raped him following this. So all of the the good that he was fighting and so contentious over ended up turning to nothing in his mm-hmm. hands. And it just says that, you know, that opportunity of destruction came about because of Lot's lack of wisdom, not because he was being persecuted. Um, and then if you, like I said, look over to Second um, Peter chapter 2, verse 7, it says, and, and I'm just going to I'll pick up in six, I guess. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by filthy conduct of the wicked, by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing the, their lawless deeds. And then in that verse, you even see he tormented his own soul by is. staying there. So... Again, that suffering that Lot experienced was literally the outcome of his own lack of wisdom. It wasn't because he was so righteous and being persecuted. It wasn't because he was um, exactly being disobedient to the Lord. It was a lack of wisdom that opened the door for that destruction in his life. And we know the source of destruction is the thief. So there we go. Two plus two is in fact four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you want to go back and, and look at this on your own, um, you can look at Genesis chapter 13, 14, 18 and 19, and then <laughs> Second Peter 2 and 7, and just look at the progression of what was happening. It's important that you step step out of um, your previous perspective of, of what the Word of God is saying and look at it for what Holy Spirit is ministering in that time of talking Amen. to you because there's so much in the Word, and the manifold wisdom of God that we've talked about way back when we first started, is always present, especially throughout the word of God. You can just see layer upon layer upon layer. So wisdom is a first line of defense that the Lord gives us, but it's also an offense because as we see in David's life, and you can see actually the the broadness of the the three points, lack of wisdom, disobedience, and the attack of the adversary, just by looking at David's life. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 5 and verse 30 tells us about David, how he behaved wisely. And anytime he went out before the king, he was much wiser than his companions. And he was just exalted by God because of this wisdom. And, and that wisdom included righteous behavior, being shrewd, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove of seeing trouble that was coming afar off and hiding himself versus the one who's not prudent or who is not wise, who just looks at it and continues on. And the word calls that person a fool. So, but how did he do it? He sought the Lord for everything. Exactly. He made a habit and a pattern, a lifestyle or a structure of a, in his life of seeking the Lord for his mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. his ways and everything. Amen. And then being obedient to say or do 
whatever that thing was that he received from the Lord. Amen. And we as warriors of God, we have both a sword and a shield around us. And it's not just one shield on one arm. It's an entire hedge of protection, a silo to heaven. (laughs) Amen. All the way built around us. And that goes from all the way to the center of the earth, all the way to heaven, to the throne of God. That is absolutely protection around us. And it's not broken by anything but our own lack of wisdom or disobedience. So while David was simultaneously fighting the battles that the Lord put in front of him to fight, right? Because the Lord was still dealing with the Philistines and, um, via warfare as they brought it towards Israel and he would Mm -hmm. take care of things. So David was simultaneously offensive, offensively attacking the, the things and the works of the devil and the adversary, but at the same time being defended by God. And he kept that protection intact by using the wisdom, that first line of defense that God was giving him. And it also helped him be effective and superiorly effective in his offensive warfare against the adversary, just by getting the strategies from the Lord of attack like this, attack like that. Don't do that. Do this instead. Whatever instruction and guidance that God gave him, it benefited his life. But then fast forward to after he's been, um, crowned and named king and he's looking and God Mm -hmm. has given him peace on every side. Now he's operating in a lack of wisdom. And when he should have been being wise and attending to the things of God, he's up on the rooftop and lo and behold, there is a trap laid. Um, Bathsheba is uh, her name for a reason, taking a bath. (laughs) So a little joke. That's a Kamisha joke. Pardon me. (laughs) She's up there, a trap laid by the devil to catch his eye because he's an unwise king at this Mm -hmm. point. He's not using self-control and um, watchfulness over protecting what God had already given him, not just from the physical foes like the Philistines, but from his own lack of wisdom and poor judgment that would give an opportunity to the devil. So then he's lacking wisdom. He's up there looking and then she catches his eye. And just just a point of note for you, if he could see her, she could see him. And his heart didn't allow, he didn't um, take the warning of the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit always counsels us. The same Holy Spirit that counseled him in the beginning was counseling him that day while he was up there. And instead he said, no, that's okay. And he went from a lack of wisdom to disobedience. When he said, I'm going to take her, I'm going to send somebody to her house to get her, and I'm going to bring her in here, and I'm going to engage in sinful behavior that I already know is against my God. And then I'm going to double down on that by trying to hide my crime against the Lord and hide my sinful actions by having the righteous man killed. And then what did that do? That disobedience absolutely open the door to the adversary. And the the scripture tells us that the sword, as a result of his action with Bathsheba, the sword was not going to depart from his household. And then all kinds of havoc breaks loose and things that the adversary had been waiting and wanting to enact against David to derail his future now had an inroad. They now had a place to come to pass these, these, um, sabotage these traps that the adversary had been planting, but David's previous wisdom and obedience to the Lord allowed God to, to, um, what is that? Put those traps out and bring them to nothing. Now they all rose up because David's lack of wisdom led to his disobedience, which led to the adversary having an open door to David's life. And his entire house. And then his you entire see what house, happened even with his children. They just erupted and went crazy and started doing all crazy, all kinds of crazy, ungodly things. 
just as soon as that door was open, but God had been protecting him. And even if you, um, read through the accounts in, um, about David's life and for Samuel in particular, and, and through, um, the other books that he's spoken about in when, when David was behaving wisely, it allowed God to protect him from the attack of the devil. The devil wanted to kill David the entire time, but he wasn't able to. And the devil, devil was cooperating or Saul was cooperating with the devil's influence, right? Remember when God removed his spirit from Saul and Saul was constantly being tormented by mm-hmm. evil spirits and David would come bringing the anointing of the Lord to play the harp and it would drive that wicked spirit away. Um, so without God, of course, he's going to call co- Saul is going to cooperate with the devil in his attempt to steal, kill and destroy, which ultimately it's about him trying to fight against God. But we're here in the earth. We're, we're little, little J's, little Jesus in the earth, right? We're his body here in the earth doing Joint the work heirs. of the Lord. Exactly. And there was a point where David runs for the first time and he runs to Samuel, um, the prophet Samuel. And Saul is like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them both. I know where they are. And he's going full on to um, thinking he's going to enact his plan of violence, being inspired by hell to against David and Samuel. But what happens when he gets there? He falls down and starts prophesying mm-hmm. before the Lord and can't do anything but cry and prophesy. So then you see the strength that comes and the opportunity when we open the door for God and keep the door closed to the devil by operating in the wisdom that he's already teaching us. And again, I mean, just, I just want to say this wisdom is the counsel from the Lord plus understanding and learning God's ways and concepts and then applying them in your life. It does you no good to learn and fill up all this stuff in your head and then not apply it. The word of God has to come out. That should be a lack of wisdom. (laughs) Exactly. That would be the epitome of foolishness. Um, but God is writing these things on the tablet of our heart and he is building and renewing our mind and re- building understanding so that our soul is engaged to create ultimate cooperation and agreement within us, spirit, soul, and body that your spirit automatically, because it's alive to God wants to do the things of the Lord. It's not perverted or foul or um, dissuade in any way about pursuing God. But sometimes the soul, if it's not renewed to love the Lord, your God, fully like the spirit does, it creates an obstacle or a hindrance because there's internal fighting in you. You can't agree to do anything, but once you renew your mind and it's an agreement and your spirit and your soul are like, yes, I want what God wants, right? The body is going to follow which part of you is the most dominant, but you don't have to wrestle every time it comes to making a decision. Should I follow God or not? That doesn't have to be a three day fasting and praying service just for you to obey one command from the Lord. You can absolutely have that kind of agreement on the inside of you. So then you become an unstoppable force as you cooperate with the things of God and apply what he has already counseled you and revealed to you and based and you've learned his ways and his concepts. So, um, last Okay, so in a, an example, again, of disobedience, creating an open door for the adversary to steal, and you can go read this um, in your study time, will be Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And um, you can also see an example of just the adversary attacking in persecution um, 
the people of God by looking back at Paul's life. We looked at this example in the last episode, but just a different component where the people rose up against him without cause. He didn't open the door for the adversary in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. So you can see that example as well. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. And I know this episode ran a little bit long, but we're right in the the heat of battle. So I wanted to make sure I got this information to you so that you can meditate on it, talk with the Holy Spirit about it, and let the word of God be grounded in your heart and that you can be more established in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and your effectiveness as his warrior. Well, thank you for spending this time with us today. We love you. God bless you. And remember to live your life in the Messiah's love. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe.